Welcome to uh, the Mission Sunday here at Forest Lake Baptist Church. As we celebrated the Lord's Supper this morning, I was thinking there are still billions of people who live on our earth who, have, who know nothing about Jesus, who would not be able to join us as we celebrate together. And so this morning uh, we're having Lisa uh, come and encourage us. Lisa is, has been here before, so you know her well. She's going to encourage us to keep on praying for the people who don't know Jesus and also be praying for how we as a church can be involved in sharing those, the great news of Jesus. So where's Lisa? We'll invite her to come up to your right with all this light going on. Now, if you want to find out more, you're invited to lunch afterwards, a missions lunch. Come and see me and I'll give you the address afterwards. Uh, there's plenty of food. We can cope with another 10 or 15 people. So uh, please come and see me. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for the invitation to be back. Um, it's, it's wonderful to be here. And um, I'm, I'm always uh, very aware of the um, incredible privilege it is um, to actually preach. Um, it's, it's, a bit, it's a big thing for a pastor to hand over. Um, and it's such a big thing that I've been procrastinating on it for months. <laughs> Um, no, um, I just pray that um, God will speak today. Um, how about, I, oh, I just want to let you know, yeah, I have been here before and I was in a particular role. I am still in that role, but today I'm speaking to you as just plain old Lisa, as a cross-cultural, intercultural worker, working with the South Asia team for Baptist Mission Australia. Um, I'm still in that other role. I am still doing that work. Um, it is a part of what I do, but for security reasons, I'm not going to be speaking about that today. So let's pray. Father God, we're really conscious that... Um, We are so small. You are the God of the heavens and the earth. You've created this place. You've created us. You are all powerful, all loving, all present. And yet you call us and you invite us to be a part of what you are doing in this world. It is a mystery and it's beautiful and we're grateful. As I speak, Lord, I pray that only that which you want people to hear will be heard. I pray that you will lead each of us in what you are saying to us and that you'll be glorified. In Jesus' name. So the team here asked me to give you an update on world missions and to encourage you to be involved. Now, I'm neither a missiologist nor a preacher. You actually have those in your congregation um, already today. I am just the practitioner. Um, but it is a sermon, so I will attempt <laughs> to do that. And I want to start in the word. I want to look at, if we're looking at missions, we need to know our why. And so we're going back all the way to 
Matthew 28, 16 to 20. It's known as the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's kind of a bit hard to imagine what the disciples were thinking, where they were at. I mean, we get some clues. We know a bit earlier in the passage that um, Jesus had been raised from the dead. The women had seen it. They'd had their testimony. We knew the soldiers were spreading lies that um, the disciples have actually stolen his body. The city was probably in a bit of an uproar as to what was actually going on. And the women told them to go to Galilee. And so at the 11, they went onto, the, onto, onto a mountain that had been obviously predetermined. As instructed, they were obedient. We know from Matthew that they worshiped but yet, some doubted. The worship, what was that about? I went for a quick, going back through the Gospels, I mean, I went, went back through Matthew in preparing for this. And the only other time that we have that the disciples worshipped Jesus was when he would walked on the water and he got back in the boat and they worshipped him, saying, this surely is the Son of God. Because Jesus had been a teacher. He'd been the Messiah. But it was actually in that space where they recognised that he actually was God's Son. They recognised it was quite significant that he'd risen from the dead. Some still doubted. I'm guessing they were doubting whether they should be worshipping. I mean, this is Jesus who they spent three years with after all. And they needed their faith to catch up. In this state of obedience, worship and doubt, Jesus tells them, That yes, all authority was given to him in heaven and on earth. He was no longer Jesus who was called to the lost sheep of Israel. He was the boss, the Lord of all, not merely teacher or even Messiah. And from this position of authority that we can uh, it must have been incredibly difficult for the disciples to even comprehend what was going on. Um, he gives them this task. 
to make disciples of all nations. And for another massive mind jump, he promises to be with them always, even to the end of the age, as they undertake this task that he's given them. Now for them, there's nothing surprising about the task of disciple making. It was something that they had been doing with Jesus for three years. He was the example, he was their encourager. As they went out, he ran around teaching them, preaching to those who needed to hear the good news, and healing. It was the all nations that was probably a bit more of a challenge for them. They'd focused on the lost sheep of Israel. And they were clean Jews. And here he was teaching them, telling them to go to all nations. Now I think at this point it's really easy for us to judge the disciples. But what's in our own hearts, I think, or we think we need to acknowledge that it is. It is hard to go to all nations. We have a preference for home and the known. And if we're honest, we have prejudice within us, ourselves. But Jesus was calling them to go to all nations. And if they had any doubt about that all nations and what it looked like, in the event of Pentecost that we see in Acts 2, when 120 were together and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in every tongue. So the people who were there in Pentecost at that time who had gathered to Jerusalem were asking, how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? The Spirit enabled missions to all nations from the beginning. From what we can tell, though, it was too difficult for the disciples to cross cultures. It wasn't easy. We, we see Peter's experience of, going, of being called to go and speak to Cornelius and what an incredible struggle that was. We hear through history that perhaps it was Thomas who managed to go beyond, even into India and those areas. But God ended up calling Paul someone who was able to cross the cultures, someone who was able to go wider. And it was ultimately, it's God's mission and he will call who he will call and he will move who he needs to move to go to where people need to go. Because it's his mission that we get to be a part of participating in. Now, I would love to say that I wholeheartedly responded to this call of the Great Commission. And I just want to share a bit of my own story in responding to this call, because hopefully it'll help you have some, a point of connection with this as well. Um, yeah, it had nothing to do with Matthew 28. I was probably more like the doubting disciples 
obedient, but really quite unsure. It was actually my husband, Steve, who got a call into missions. Uh, one night he'd been praying. He'd, be, he'd become a believer when he was 18 at university, raised in a non-Christian family, and um, had been part of a Christian group at university. And one night as he was praying in bed, he felt a, call, a presence of God in the room and a call to go. I confessed to my shame I wasn't too impressed with this call. And I said, how, how, how do you know that's God and not just bad pizza? <laughs> God confirmed that call in his incredible grace. We were in a service. Um, unfortunately, Steve also had started to doubt that call. Um, and in a mission service, probably like this, we've been. Um, there was a call to come and commit your life to missions if that's what God was calling you to do. And Steve sat in his chair with his little girlfriend next to him, going, <laughs> and um, a lady came and tapped him on the shoulder and said, um, "God's told me to tell you to respond to the seeds that He's planted in your heart." Steve responded and I sat there going, who am I to stand in the way of the most holy God? I had to wrestle. I had to consider what was my part in this. And um, I realised there was no call on my life and I had a choice. I could marry Steve and go along with the call for his life or I could go my own way. And I think that night I prayed... God, Jesus went from saviour to Lord, I think, that night. And I said, I'll go wherever you want me to go and I'll do whatever you want me to do, even marry Steve. And I'm so grateful for that journey. It was then a 10-year journey, I would like to let you know. It was a 10-year process of, um, of grace where this decision went from head to heart. We gained work experience and skills. We got married. Um, we learned a lot about cross-cultural work. We went and tried to get some experience. And the calling came again and again, encouraging on this road, step by step. And it's quite a remarkable story. And at the time, I thought it was because we are quite special. And I realised now it was just because of the grace of God. There was a final push. Um, we weren't quite sure. We'd been to, um, God had made it clear Cambodia was the place where we were to go to. We'd been there, we'd visited. We realised it was a nation that was rebuilding after war. It was a third world country. It was not a place where you should raise young children. And we're grappling with the question, can we go? And um, we were speaking, we were, we were, the head of our mission agency said, I think you're asking the wrong question. And it's after all that God has done in your life, in all that he's been leading you in every single step of the way, can you not go? And that was it. We had to be obedient to that which he was calling. So 
We took two young children to a third world country, still rebuilding after the Pol Pot era. Steve's work was to literally preach and heal in the way that um, in, in, in the way that Jesus did. He was training physiotherapists, transferring skills, and um, also then sharing his faith and teaching his physiotherapists, taking them right through the big picture of the gospel of the of, of sorry. The Bible, the big God's big picture. Me, I had a lot to learn. God had a lot of work to do on me. I mean, I was a mother of three young children by then. Um, I learned a lot about burnout and overwork. I had to learn a very tough lesson in humility that I wasn't the savior of Cambodia. Yeah, that was Jesus. I learnt how to learn a language and I learnt the importance of support roles. I also learnt a story that I've shared here is that it's only by God's grace that I can even follow him. So we returned 10 years later and I was actually quite saddened by how little fruit there seemed to be from my efforts. Was it a failure? These were tough things to have to deal with. When I had the chance to join the board of this development organisation um, in 2014 that had been started by um, a worker from Baptist Mission Australia, I had no idea that all that training from my 10 years in Cambodia and I guess the 10 years before that, how it would come towards working in my current role. And it was a huge step of faith that again required a very, very clear call from God and in his grace he gave it. It didn't mean that I was absolutely terrified. And so the handover started in March 2022 I don't know if that date is significant for anyone else, but that was also the start of the global pandemic. And I got to be part of leading an organisation of over 100 people. Continue to learn, new, learn the new context, new language, new culture, a new work and approach, needing Jesus in ways that I've never walked with him before. Now, Greg also asked, he wanted to know what's happening in global missions. How are we going with this task? If I have the time, I would love to get just eight people. Greg mentioned the billions who don't know Jesus, and I just want to give it a really clear picture. If I could have eight people just come and stand across the front here, I think it just helps with the vision. These eight people, 
<laughs> one billion people each. These people represent one billion people in this world. And I would just like the five people over here to move over. One, two, three. Yes, Mark, you're five billion. One billion. Four, five. This five billion people represent every... Sorry. These five billion people have access. Either they are almost three billion who actually identify as Christians, or they have a viable Christian witness within them. <laughs> this is amazing. The three missions-focused people here. <laughs> are the three billion yet to hear about Jesus and yet to have an, an ability to hear about him in a way that actually they understand and can connect with. Now, I don't know if you were looking at this task and you were deciding where to send missionaries. It's kind of clear to me where I would be sending them. But the current state of in out of every 10 missionaries, nine are working here. One works over here. And to take it one step further, sorry, this is from the Joshua Project, so this is not my, um, I, I didn't pull this out of my own head. Out of every $100 that is spent on missions, How much do you think is spent over here compared to here? 95? 75-25? Thank you for your courage for actually throwing a thing out there. $99 is spent over here. <laughs> this should be a $1 coin. I only had a $2 on me. <laughs> that says something, doesn't it? One dollar is spent reaching the three billion. Thank you. Our South Asia team is working amongst the largest single ethnic group of Muslim people in the world. Um, it was visa challenges about 30 years ago that saw a team of about 30 um, have to leave the field. It was incredibly fruitful at that time. It was devastating for us as an organisation. Apparently, I wasn't there at the time, though. Um, one of the workers came back and was deeply disturbed about his ongoing involvement and prayed, Jesus... He talks about being depressed. And Jesus speaks to him and says, what's in your heart? And what was in his heart was to start an organisation that I have the privilege of now leading. Starting an organisation by partnering with a local believer who was passionate about supporting the local believers who had come to faith in quiet ways, that they could develop a local expression of faith 
and address poverty and injustice in that context through a hand up rather than a handout. And that is what we continue to do. How is it going? Um, COVID was a major disruptor. We haven't been able to travel. Um, I've just come back from, from there. Um, it's been my second trip. Um, previous, my predecessor had been travelling there six times a year. I've been twice in two and a half years. The work is solidly in local hands. Um, it has been given us an opportunity to reassess and adapt. I guess a new person at the helm also does that as well. We've been managed to be able to use better technology, but also the struggles have been magnified and exacerbated by distance, by the pressure of the, the time and the focus. Our staff, frankly, are struggling because they are local believers reaching out as they can in this environment. Because it's had a global imp impact, this, this pandemic, but it's a profoundly local phenomenon. For our location where we've been working with the poor, it's about had a chance to pass on some really good information, which has actually strengthened our credibility in this time. The savings that have been happening through the work um, actually gave people a buffer to be able to deal with the incredible struggles of this time, particularly as the schools were closed for well over a year. It was the worst in any country around the world. We're learning to use tech to connect, but there is the gap. I went to a, um, in, in answering this question, I, 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 went, I went searching, I went to Google, went for some help as to what are the major trends affecting missions in this time. And this is what a paper told us. And I have to say it, it just highlighted exactly what is happening for us. Three major ten, trends in the context where we're working. They're having a profound impact on what we do and how we can do it. COVID-19 and the poverty that is happening as a result of what was going on. Environmental disasters and the impact on the people that we're seeking to work with. And increasing racism and radicalization. In our context, um, only in the last five years have we increasingly seen the number of women who used to be wearing this most incredibly beautiful, colourful clothing that you'll see on our brochures, and increasingly they're being covered up from head to toe in black. The window is open still, but it could be closing. The trends in these missions are, we see ourselves as senders of colonising word-bearing church planter, but what is actually needed right now and this was the phrase that I got out of the thing I would like to share with you. COVID, far from being a frustration to the mission of God, could be just the restraint to the global missions industry that we need if we are to reimagine how different parts of the body of Christ act together to support faithful, holistic and local witness. I was grappling with this as we 
I, I, I kind of come and was prepared to tell you a, um, a, recruitment cert, a recruitment sermon and I was wanting to tell you about how we need to go and we need to be there and we need to be pushing forward for Christ. But there's a definite humility that is needed as we look. We have wealth, we have education, we have power in this scenario. What we need is to go is incredibly humbly. We need to go and recognise the value of those hidden local believers to support them as they are the ones who are going to be on the forefront of missions into the future. Our role we need to hold very, very lightly. So I do encourage you still, we need to go. <laughs> it may break us, but we still need to go. But we need to go with the attitude of which my husband used to say again and again and again as he went. But he just needs to be a tool in the hand of the local believers. My role, which the country director often likes to tell me, is my role is to go and find funds for the organisations. They can do what they need to do. We also need to pray for workers. We need to pray for hearts to be drawn to God. Every single person that I've heard a testimony from, from local believers, is that it came, what happened was there was a curiosity deep within them about Jesus. And that's where they went and sought. That's where they went and go. That, that's, 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 that's what they pursued. For he exists within their scriptures. Pray that their hearts would be open. Pray that they be drawn to Jesus and that they would find him. And learn. You have a very experienced missions team here. Uh, talk to them. Come talk to me. I'm here for a moment. This is the benefit of not being online and not looking at a YouTube video. You can actually come talk, ask questions, learn. Find out what is it that God wants us to be involved in. And be confident that as we do this, Jesus promises he will be here. He will be with us even to the very end of the age. So I'm just going to pray now. Father God, I pray for the doubters. I pray for the doubters like me who found it hard to know what it was that you were calling us to, to, made, to, to, to really understand what it was that was going on, who found it hard to even comprehend that the Jesus that they knew, who they'd seen at work, who they'd followed for three years, truly is the one to whom all authority has been given on heaven and earth. Please help us to step out despite our doubts. Help us to know you more. Help us to push past our prejudices, Lord, where we prefer to be connecting with or supporting or um, giving to that which is known rather than that which is unknown.
Lord, give us a heart to understand and to perceive and and know that as we reach out into this world, it is suffering, it is hurting, um, and that merely sharing the words of Jesus is not enough, that we need to be acting in compassion. We know that with our own children even, Lord. We know that they need an education, they need good food, they need... Um, love and nurture and support, Lord. Help us not to be withholding that from the people who we are seeking to reach for you. Lord, and help us to recognise that there are Pauls who may be going beyond, may be reaching beyond. Help us to be supporters of those Pauls. Help us not to hold them back. Help them to be people who are reaching out genuinely in their context. It mightn't look like what our worship looks like. It may not be following the rules that we follow. But, Lord, it is inspired by you and it is led by you. And, Lord, above all else, Lord, I pray that all people would know that you are with us that all people would know that they can find a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. For your purposes, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.